This is the Adoption Law Firm Podcast with your favorite lawyer, Sam McClure. Visit us online at www.theadoptionfirm.com. Welcome back to the Adoption Law Firm Podcast. I'm Michelle Willis, and I'm here with Sam McClure, and we are going to talk about foster care and fostering to adopt and things like that. So why don't we start with just an overview of foster care need, that kind of thing first. Yeah, yeah. Whew, that's a big topic. It yeah, is. I think so. As I think through my family's journey with foster care, uh, you know, we started with international adoption. Okay. Um, that's just what the people that we knew had done. And as we're, you know, gobbling up everything we can read on the internet, right. that's kind of what was most prevalent. And we knew that we wanted to care for orphans and add to our family through adoption. And then um, two or three years later, like our eyes started getting opened to the need right here at home, right here in our backyard. And we thought, yes. gosh, we feel called to do something about that, to get involved with foster care. And um, I don't know, it's it's one of those layers of darkness. Like yeah. once you look into it, you can't look away. Right. And there's a huge need. There's yeah. a huge need and people don't realize that. That's true. Yeah. I mean, sort of my framework when I'm thinking about what is the need is I'm thinking through James. James mm-hmm. is a letter in the New Testament, probably written to people that are already inside the church, already professing that we follow Christ. And it's a, it's a letter about... So you, you have this profession, what should your life look like? Sure. And James says in, in uh, chapter one, he says that pure religion, all right, if you're going to, if you're going to say you're religious, if you're going to say you follow Christ in a good way, a good religiousness, if you're going to say you follow Christ, then this is what your life should look like. Pure religion is uh, visiting orphans and widows in their affliction and keeping yourself undefiled from the world. And it's interesting if you look at some of the early church fathers, when they're writing about uh, qualifications to be an elder, for example, one of their litmus tests is is does this person have a life that's marked by caring for orphans? One of the litmus tests to that one new te- uh, early church father wrote about, one of the litmus tests to tell if somebody's a heretic or not, right. is do they have any concern for the orphan or do they not have any concern for the orphan? And so I think it's almost a lost orthopraxy. Right. Uh, I remember uh, having a conversation with uh, a prominent pastor in a prominent denomination who has spent you know four years of undergrad and years going to uh, getting you know whatever advanced degree and I was asking him about James 127, caring for orphans. And he said, you know, I've never really figured out if uh, James is talking about caring for orphans just inside the church or outside the church, too. Mm. And, 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 and the most respectful that I could be, uh, the things inside my head, uh, the, as most respectfully, I just thought, and I just, and to, to give him credit, like James is written to the church, right? And sure. we, we do need to show kindness to the household of God first. If there are fatherless children in our church, if there are children um, that 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 are disconnected from a stable family unit, that that needs to be where our first priority. But what just really stuck in my mind was, wait a second, like I know that this guy has this pastor, which I respect very much. He's worthy worthy of double honor. Has spent time figuring out whether you should sprinkle people or dunk them in <laughs> baptism. <laughs> Like, I know he's figured out the qu- answers to he's questions. He's some theology in yeah, his life. Yeah, like, yes. you know, uh, transubstantiation, is Christ really present sure. in the elements? But to not have figured out and to not have spent the time, not that it's not a legitimate question, but not to have spent the time figuring out an essential element of pure religion uh, really shook me up. Um, right. And so I think as we, and I think all of the weight of Scripture leads toward the concept that God is a father of the fatherless, mm-hmm. a protector of orphans and widows. He loves other nations. He loves to these the kind of centripetal, centrifugal force of drawing into the uh, 
uh, church community uh, through mercy. And so, yeah, so the easiest place to start is orphans in our backyard. And I think, I think, Michelle, a lot of people would say, well, yeah, of course I'd care for orphans if I saw them. Like if one showed up at my door, I wouldn't turn them away. Right. (laughs) And the history of Western civilization caring for orphans is pretty fascinating as George Mueller is a famous orphan care guy. And I think it was the 1800s that he, uh, he lived by, you know, he would just pray, he would just pray. And then food would show up at the orphanage. He started all these orphanages. He would just pray. You know, they'd be sitting at the table, he and the house full of orphans and, They'd have no food, and he'd say, let's pray, and then a milk truck would break down outside right. the door. Well, that sort of ushered in the era of um, of individuals not caring for orphans individually. Like if you go to Uganda, you know, the pastor of XYZ Church may have eight orphans living with them because that's right. just where they are. That's where the need is. And so this started this era of orphans being housed together and experts, quote, quote, experts mm-hmm. caring for the orphans, which led to – and so that was first being done by the church – and then the state took it over. So now, really, to, to come across the path of an orphan in your own community mm-hmm. is not very likely. Right. Uh, if you're just, if you have to go out of your way. And foster care is the trajectory, is the path to go out of your way to see where are the abused, neglected, and vulnerable children in my community and how mm-hmm. do we care for them? So, how does one go about that? Like, do they decide to be foster parents? Do they try to support other foster parents? Um, do they have to go through classes? Like, how does that begin? Right, right. So I, I will preface that question by saying being a foster parent is probably the most emotionally difficult thing that our family has ever done. Um, it, it, you really come in contact with some brazen evil, mm-hmm. both with the abuse that happens to children and the system that sure. purportedly is trying to take care of them. Um, and a system is a system can't be evil or good or bad. It's, right. You know, it's people inside the system. And so I think it's a fantastic opportunity to be light in a dark place. But mm-hmm. I think a lot of preparation should go mm-hmm. into approaching that scenario. I think a lot of families that are going in for those kind of um, Christ glorifying motives to care for orphans as mm-hmm. Christ cared for us are, are really shocked and uh, yeah. at the uh, the darkness that they see. So I think that should happen on the front end. Um, uh, that kind of mental, emotional preparation that this is this is going to be the hardest thing we've ever done. Definitely be ready with the armor of God, right? Armor and... of God, yeah. <laughs> and then I think having a good support system. So within mm-hmm. your church, I, I wouldn't do this alone. I would I would get counsel, you know, from your from your friends who love you and from your uh, leadership in your church. I would get a lot of counsel. Hey, we feel called to this. Right. What's your opinion? As opposed to what I'm guilty of is, hey, I'm going to go do this thing. Can I have your blessing? <laughs> um, so so get some buy-in. Get some, hey, we're thinking about doing this. this is You know, whenever there is heightened risk, I think there should be heightened continuity of counsel, right? Gotcha. Right. Should I go parachute into Afghanistan, right? Well, there better be a lot of uh, continuity of, of counsel that that's what I should do. That, that, that That's wise. So I think I think that's a starting point. And as you do that, I think if you're the only person in your church that's ever done foster care that you know of, try to start building a network of people mm-hmm. to help you. You know, it's emotionally draining. It's exhausting. Um, you know, you may need people to bring you meals or to do respite care or to right. mow your grass because you can't get off the couch because you've been up feeding your child through a tube every four hours. Right. Right. So I think, um, yeah, so I think. Make sure there's a good support system. Then. Good support system. And that's uh, biblical. Ecclesiastes talks about a quarter of three strands is not easily broken. So I think that's a, a biblical principle. Right. Right. And so I think if, if you're listening to this podcast and you think I could never, ever be a foster parent, I couldn't have a child in my home and know that 
that they're going to be sent back to the parents, which is the first goal for the first year, at least, of foster care is, is you are a temporary home for this child to, to try to give the biological parents a chance to get back on their feet, uh, get clean, get stable housing, stable jobs. So if you're in that position, mm-hmm. I would say there's lots of things you can do to support foster parents. Um, you can pray for them. You can build a team to wrap around them. You know, a lot of orphan care advocates talk about the wraparound model mm-hmm. um, because the, really the burnout with foster parents is so high. Right. It's so I high. Can it's so difficult. They don't have support. So, um, you know, just like, you know, missiologists talk about there's goers, senders, and mobilizers, right? Like there needs to be senders of foster parents into, and it is almost a, a, a mission field. It's it, You are crossing some very oh, significant cultural, socioeconomic lines to reach into the darkness. And so um, I think you can, so you can, you can sign up, you can volunteer, you can organize to be part of the team that wraps around these people, whatever Mm -hmm. they need, Mm -hmm. just be really tuned in, uh, recognizing the hardship of it. So, but if you're going to be a foster parent, there's really one of two ways that you can approach that. You can either uh, do the foster parent training, which is about a 10-week course, okay. three hours, one night a week for 10 weeks. In Alabama, we call it TIPS, uh, Trauma-Informed Parenting something. Okay. And that's through the state? That's through the state, the TIPS class. So okay. you can go directly with your county. Foster care is very county-driven. Okay. Each county is sort of its own fiefdom. They have a lot of autonomy, so you you can do that through your county. If you live in a really really rural county mm-hmm. and there's a, a city center near you, the need may be greater in that city center. You can go to that adjacent county and sign up as a foster parent through that county. So path one is directly through the county. Okay. Sign up to be a foster parent. Go through the training. Um, it may take you three. You have to go through a home study process, which is not intimidating. It's a background check, a sure. child abuse and neglect clearance. It's, you know, um, you making know, sure you're not a bad person. Hey, do you have your guns locked up, your medicine locked up, that right. kind of stuff? This The second path is to work through a third party intermediary, okay. uh, third party intermediary, like an agape of central Alabama, a lifeline children's services. They are a licensed foster care provider. So okay. they would do the training for you. So instead of a, a social worker from the state, from the county, mm-hmm. directly doing the training, this third-party agency would do the training. They would hold your license. They would help you with a support system. There's pros and cons to both of those models. Sure. But, and that would still be with a licensed social worker, I'm assuming. Correct, correct. With, even through the agency model, if you go that way. And yeah, so there are pros and cons of that. One of the pros of going with this third-party agency to do your training for you is you kind of get some experts in the room. Sure. And if you pick a good agency, they're on the same page with you philosophically and worldview-wise. So you get an expert in the room. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I remember... We were just struggling to figure out things like WIC, right? Like our right. like our child was available for WIC and how just do we go to the WIC office? Stuff. Yeah, lots of practical things, support systems. So and they can probably connect you with other foster families too that are within their network that yep. you could ask questions and yep. find out those practical things, Absolutely. I would imagine. Yeah. So once you've done this 10-week training and you get the home study, like you're ready to go. Like, And you can, and on the front end, I think a thing to think about is, is what are your preferences? Like maybe... You're a couple in your 60s and you've already raised children. You think we only want to do teenagers and we've done. So you can choose age on the front end. You can choose age on the front end. Yeah. You can say, here's our preferences. You know, if you don't have any preferences, then you'll get calls most likely about any kind of opportunity. Right. right? So it's just it's a little bit more streamlined, you know, or maybe your preference is, hey, we know that on average, 100 babies a year come into foster care because they their parents test positive for controlled substances at the Mm -hmm. hospital. Um, and by law, these you know, until these parents have some positive or uh, clean drug tests, they can't go back to the parents. So, 
Yeah, we want, we only want to do newborns from the hospital, right? Right. And ninety nine point nine percent of those are having some kind of drug withdrawal issues. Sure. Or we only want to do toddlers. You know, you can you can state those preferences okay. on the front end. Um, so I, I think that's important to know. I think so. Oftentimes, foster care does merge into adoption. Right. Adoption scenarios happen. I, I would caution anybody that's like. We want to adopt. We know we want to adopt. That's all we want to do. I, I think there's a great wisdom in being cautious about getting into foster care, at least with younger children, because the whole trajectory is is really, and this is an odd thing to say, but um, the trajectory is not the child's best interest. Right. In the short term, it's really rehabilitation of the parents. Sure. Which in long term is in the child's best interest. And so for really for the first year that um, the foster parent is legally only a temporary babysitter right. that's employed by the state to do that. Now, if, if after one year in Alabama, it's a year, other states are 15 months. If uh, if there's been 12 of the last 22 months that the child's been in care and the parent hasn't worked to their plan, um, then the state is obligated to work towards terminating that biological parental's, parental rights. And so the, the focus shifts from, okay, you haven't done what you needed to do in a year. That's enough time. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to start looking for a permanent adoptive placement for this child and that's and that's a lot of foster care adoptions happen that way. Yeah, and that's where the foster parents can then be the ones that decide whether or not they want to be the ones or if they want to say they can go into a a pool of of options for other families that are looking to be connected with a child right. to adopt right. yeah. domestically. And then there's older child adoption too, which I think there's some great resources like adoptuskids.com something org uh, in Alabama, Heart Gallery, Alabama. But uh, these are organizations that do short film documentaries mm-hmm. on children whose parental rights have been terminated in the foster care system where there has not been an adoptive resource identified and they're, they're, they want to be adopted. And mm-hmm. so you, you can see a documentary on a sibling group of three or a single child, a 10-year-old, a 15-year-old, a 16-year-old. That older child adoption, um, it, the need for that is humongous. Like if you right. go to those websites and watch those videos, you better come with a box of Kleenex. Right. What about special needs, foster children and with special needs? Are there, there are foster families that just take care of mm-hmm. kids with special needs? And special needs is, is a, a sort of a squishy word, too. Um, sure. But towards the more extreme end of the spectrum of special needs, a, a foster parent can be certified as, as a therapeutic home. Okay. So there's regular foster parents, and then there's a therapeutic home when a child crosses a certain threshold of of needs that they have, right? Um, you can be a ther- but that takes additional training to be therapeutic, like it may be a child that's wheelchair bound and with cerebral right. palsy and you know only eats through a feeding tube or whatever. And so that's, yeah, a therapeutic home. Uh, you probably have to be specially trained for all those kind of things. So you do. Yeah. One of my favorite clients is uh, they have 15 kids. Wow. Yeah. And uh, most of them are adopted and uh, they're, most of them are severe special needs. Like the, the children, will, most of them will probably never live independently. Right. And they do it with such grace. Yes. It is just remarkable to see somebody gifted like that to... Uh, and they just really are firmly convinced that this is their calling in life is right. to love people made in the image of God that the world would cast off. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Nazi regime called as uh, useless eaters. Right. And to love them because they're made in the image of God. So it's a beautiful thing. And no, I, I encourage the church really to mobilize and get involved in foster care um, and, and use it as a use it as a platform. Right. Uh, you get to bring a child into your home that has n- never probably never heard the gospel, has never heard the saving message of Christ. Right. You get to bring them into your home 
and not sit them down with your pulpit in the right. dining room and preach at them every night, <laughs> but to let them see what it looks like to have a life transformed by Christ and walking in consistent repentance when you do fail every day. Um, I think there's no greater mechanism to meet somebody's true need than that life on life, 24 seven discipleship. And to give a child some stability and some, some, uh, a place where they can be safe and feel like they're, you know, comfort and safe. And those kind of things are, are important. Those are things to think about. Um, if you're considering, um, foster care, um, let me say one more thing. Absolutely. I, you're about to change topics on me, Michelle. <laughs> I think there's a great video on our website and on our YouTube channel about the Spice family adoption, S P E E C E the Spice family adoption, uh, when we were working on the this, the this short documentary, I was crying when I heard uh, the husband, the father, talking about the love of Christ and uh, how they they fostered. They did they, it's the Spies family. They're uh, a small town pastor. Um, you know, they they live in a town of uh, one thousand one hundred and fifty people, <laughs> and it has grown by two hundred and fifty people since eighteen fifty. Uh, which you know, in in our current culture of like celebrity pastors. Most pastors think, oh, that mm-hmm. dude's a loser. That guy hasn't mm-hmm. accomplished anything. He's at the lowest point on the totem pole. But this man has faithfully and quietly pursued holiness, pursued obedience, pursued to be useful to care for orphans. And he has changed the course of history for this child and all of this mm-hmm. child's offspring, Lord willing. Um, yeah, it's just remarkable. And to see how the gospel has motivated that, that Christ meets their need and that we get the opportunity to love somebody from a hard spot because God loves us and he pulls us out of the trash can every day. Right. Just, I, I really just hold up that documentary to you, the Spies Family Adoption, and let it let it pump you up to, to pray about getting involved. Yes, you can see that on the adoptionlawfirm.com. You can also see that on the Adoption Law Firm YouTube channel. You can find that in both of those places. There's also plenty of resources on our website and on our YouTube channel that you can see about foster care. This is a broad topic, and there's probably a lot more we could even say about this. But bottom line is, as we kind of started out with James 127, all of us as Christians are called to care for the fatherless and the orphans and the widows. And um, we can do that whether we're called to foster or whether we're called to adopt, or um, we can still do that even if we're not. We can still support those who were called to do that. And so there are practical ways to do that. And there's some blog posts on that that we've written as well. So you can see all those resources on our website and we appreciate you tuning in today. Thank you for listening to the Adoption Law Firm podcast. For more information on the topics discussed or to get in touch with us, go to www.theadoptionfirm.com.